This is the Cinematologist Podcast, episode 118, Conversations About Cinema. In this episode, Neil and Dario are joined by Mark Cosgrove from the Watershed Cinema in Bristol and Dr. Francesco Tava from the University of West England, also in Bristol, to talk about their conversations about cinema season in partnership with Movie. Around this, Dario and Neil also talk about being back in cinemas to see and then talk about films and the role of cinema to engage and aid political and social conversation. They also pay tribute to Yafet Koto and Neil discusses the wonderful moustaches in the new Masters of Cinema release, V from 1967. On with the show. Welcome to the Cinematologist Podcast. I'm Dario Linares, and down the line, of course, is my very well-haired friend, Neil Fox. <laughs> it's looking, it's looking, you know, bushier and bigger than ever, mate. Right. Oh, don't. It is, yeah, it's it's extravagant at the present. Um, I am looking forward to getting back into a barber's chair. Um, I'm saving up because it's going to be expensive. Right. Um, I might just go to a farmer at this rate rather than a barber. No temptation to let Beth loose on it. She keeps saying, you know, give me, let me have a go at it. And to, I am pretty close. So by the time we record yep. next time, you you might be looking at you might be looking at someone very different because it's this is going to be my hair is really thick. Like I know that sounds really yeah. horrible to someone who hasn't got any. Um, <laughs> even worse, but it is really it's really heavy. It really it, it's a physical yeah. toll on my head. So. Right now, it's it's pretty out, you know. As hair goes, it's unbearable. So I'm kind yeah. of, um, and it's just been washed. So you can it looks particularly boofy as well. Yeah, don't worry about it, mate. You know, I've I've reconciled it in my late twenties, so it's it's not going to upset me too much. It's funny actually. I um one of the highlights of my week was tweeting um that you know old age, we think it's to do with you know greater wisdom, greater self reflexivity, but but really it's about picking grey hairs out of places that they shouldn't be growing in. Yeah. <laughs> So the sad, there's a lot of grey in there. So if that helps, yeah. it, I've got well, a particular you know, streak. I'm always spotting the grey beard. Anyway, I mean, Beth and I were wondering where 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 you'd found grey hairs, which was a nice sort of tea time pastime. Where... <laughs> yeah, well, I don't really want to go into that. Podcast, you know, we, we want to keep our clean, um, keep our PG rating. PG, yeah, that's what I was, that's the word I was looking for. So yeah, um, interesting week. I think. I mean, we're not gonna. I mean, I was going to say, what do you want to talk about, uh, Neil? The Oscars or Meghan Markle? Um, but we're going to refrain from that. I mean, maybe maybe mentioning Collective getting two Oscar nominations, which is quite impressive, I think. And I'm wondering, well, I mean, you haven't seen it yet, have you? Or have you seen it? No. no. I'd, I'd be no, interested to see yet. what your reaction is in terms of why that film has, has seems to have kind of captured. And particularly in light of what Andre said about it last week, uh, it being kind of in the second half, particularly going back to a very kind of status quo sense of political change in terms of focusing on people in power and, and elections 
changing things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting to see it as a... So it's been nominated for Best Foreign... or Best International Film, apologies. Best International Film, which is which is rare for a documentary to make it in yeah, there. So I thought that was really interesting of itself uh, and obviously in the Best Documentary category. And I wonder whether it's whether it's to do with the fact that it is a documentary, but obviously as we talked about on, on our previous episode, the line between sort of documentary aesthetics and documentary sort of subjects and yeah. Romanian narrative cinema is, is, is quite is slim in comparatively speaking to. So I wonder if that, if that's got anything to do with it. Yeah. So I think it was, it, it really, it, it jumped out, you know, cause it's a film that obviously I've been aware of from festivals. Um, and one of those, one of those films where, you know, that, the, it's it's the ten percent that's that, that makes these awards ceremonies interesting and worthwhile yeah, yeah, all the yeah. time, you know, because it's a film that is obviously it it, it just it just stands out in that in that roster as yeah. as, as being yeah. different, which I think is is kind of exciting. And you know, the documentary branch is usually more progressive and interesting a lot of the time than than the others. So good to see it being yeah, that's awarded, true. you know. And yeah. again, you know, a, a reminder of the kind of year it's been, where a film that would probably get lost in cinemas has had that equal playing field of streaming, which we'll probably talk about a lot mm. today in terms of access, sure. you know, so people probably saw it in a different way than they yeah. might normally. So yeah, one thing I didn't mention actually last week was that the film has a quite incredible you know, sequence of footage that was taken inside the nightclub right at the very beginning. And I think that that thinking about it now, that, that really sets up the rest of the, the film in terms of the outrage mm. You know what I mean? It's so powerful that 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 image of 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 how it you know the the concert taking place and then the fire just taking hold so quickly. It's, yeah. it's devastating. I find that interesting when I'm sort of writing about music documentaries, which are so heavily reliant on archive footage. You know, and the best documentaries in that space seem to be the ones that can best contextualize the archive footage because I think that you know the 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 quote unquote real footage is so overwhelmingly powerful. And it sounds like that's the case with collective that trying to, trying to match its intensity or, you know, kind of, or even not regard it as, 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 as importantly as you should often seems to be the downfall. So if, if you can sort of wrap around in a, in a way that sort of contextualizes that footage in a way that it kind of almost carries through the rest of the film, I think that's when, that's when docs are quote unquote more successful, certainly in music documentary. So I, w- I wonder if that's the case there where the undeniable power is, is handled in what might be one of the best ways it could be, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good, that, that's a good point. I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely worth, worth watching and it isn't, you know, it's a political film as much as anything else. So it's, it, you strap in for that. It's not remorselessly bleak as we were sort of saying last uh, last week about some, you know, aspects yeah, yeah. of Romanian cinema. Um, I mean, have you got any comments at all about the general um, Oscar nominations at all? I mean, it just, you know, on, on some levels, I'm kind of like, yeah, fine, whatever. And, you know, I haven't seen a lot of the films this this time around because obviously the, with release schedules and windows and, and everything, it's been, been difficult. Um, so I haven't really, I mean... You know, I'm not a big fan of Mank. I thought, you know, the, the Trial of Chicago Seven is is perfectly fine, although I didn't like the ending. But there's so many amazing films that are just not, not, not even mentioned at all. And I'm kind of like, yeah, this just confirms why I'm not. Yeah, interested. I think more than ever, I'm I'm kind of less interested in the, even the conversation around it. I've listened to 
the one podcast, the the Little Gold Men podcast, which I always like to check in on for my awards gossip, and that's been fine. So now I know what they are, and that's kind of like that's that's as much as there was. <laughs> speaking of that, I don't know if you've heard the Mark Maron, um, Mark Harris WTF, where he talks about the trial of the Chicago Seven, which I haven't seen, but he says he has this great line where he says, "No more films about white people in the '60s because you can't transcend the pants." which I thought was just brilliant. Um, uh, it just made me laugh. So that's it, really. It's been a kind of podcast <laughs> listen on, and and, yeah. and I'm kind of fine with that. You know, like I feel, and we might talk about this yeah, again yeah. In, in the episode, I think that there's, it feels like there's been such a rupture this year. I feel much more at home with my own trajectory and my own relationship to film than I have in years, you know, because I think, I don't think you yeah. could, I don't think you can sensibly try and stay on top of, everything that's going on at the speed that things are dropped and changed and and you know that the, the sheer kind of volume of the conversation is just overwhelming i'm just like i'm i'm happy in my lane and and knowing what the oscars are and and and, and being pleased for things like collective is that's it you know that's i'll that that i'll plow that furrow and and kind of carry on i have absolutely no desire to to see anything that wasn't already on my list because it's now up for an oscar um, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, a, a, a piece of sad movie news, just, I think it's today or yesterday, wasn't it? The, um, the sad passing of Yafet Koto, a kind of singular, um, presence, I think in, in movies. And, you know, I, I just, I think he's so good in everything he's in. He brings something to it. I mean, I love him as, um, as the Bond villain in Live and Let Die, which is pretty, forget you know forgettable apart from that and then you know i'm just thinking of the 80s when i first come to attention something like running man but then alongside robert de niro Mid- midnight run is probably you know the film that you would sort of point to as him you know showing his act- acting chops alongside you know p- alongside somebody who always uh is is demarcated as one of the greatest but i always liked i mean i don't know if you've seen the film brew baker mm, yeah um with Ro- with uh um robert redford yeah I watched that for my um, prison drama article, and I just think he's great in that as the sort of uh, you know the the lifer who's the sage lifer who's got all of the the contacts and the information, and, and sort of wants to trust this white savior. You know, it's it's definitely a white savior film, that's for sure. But 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 worth seeing. Interesting. One of our um, one of the, the people I spoke to for today's podcast posted a message which says Yafet Kota Wars made a film better. You know, and I think that's true. And yeah, you know, in terms of true. Up there with the acting chops is well. I love Midnight Run. I think that's a great shout. Um, but it yeah, would be yeah, Blue yeah. Collar for me, which I re- rewatched recently. Oh, okay. You know, um, going toe to toe with Harvey Keitel in and Richard Pryor in a in a film that's yeah. sort of getting a getting a, a reappraisal, which is really nice. It seems to be more in the conversation, and that's a really good movie. And I'll yeah, have to check that out. It's, yeah, kind of um, uh, really hard hitting union movie uh, set in Detroit. Um, right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think you really like it. Um, really, really good movie. Um, with a kind of, yeah, really interesting politics. And uh, yeah, great. Uh, a great actor. Sadly, sadly missed. So before we get into the main subject of the episode, you've got a, uh, a Masters of Cinema release to to talk about, Neil. Yes, they have re- they're have re-releasing on a beautiful Blu-ray, the 1967 Russian folk horror V. Um which wow. is the first and you know to date one of the very few Russian horror movies um based on a Gogol short story 
This is a absolutely mad movie. <laughs> I was going to say, is it, this is ticking boxes that that I think is, is mad and bonkers is is maybe used in this sentence. Yeah, it's yeah. I think it's apt to call this film bonkers. Um, it's it's got the best collection of mustaches in any film <laughs> I've ever seen. I mean, literally just a <laughs> a pantheon of of facial hair. It's it's extraordinary. Um, yeah, it's this this film about a three young seminarians who kind of are on a holiday break and they, they sort of spend the night at this farm. And one of them is it's owned by a witch. This farm and she's taken off. She takes off this young um, one of the young seminarians, and then he sort of is realizes she's a witch and kind of you know sort of beats her to death and in the beating her to death she turns into this beautiful young maiden and then he's kind of tortured and he flees back to the seminary and then he's summoned to to be sort of to say prayers at the wake of this uh young woman who turns out is the the witch so he's locked in this church for three nights every night with with this young witch um who's killed who's kind of trying who's sort of seeking revenge and right. it's just yeah just night after night she kind of tries to he sort of creates this magic circle and she tries to break it and then on the last night all literally all hell breaks loose vampires zombies miniature demons um kind of really low budget um ray harryhausen effects it's one of the one of the soviet sort of animation pioneers was involved and it's you've just never seen anything like it it's okay it's short it's like 70 minutes or so and it's absolutely insane and wonderful you know, just you just like this is this is yeah. great. You know, um, yeah, and interesting. There's a lot of interesting stuff I've been sort of reading online about the, you know, the the the, the commentary on sort of Russian um, society at the time, Soviet should say, because obviously it's, it was technically yeah, yeah, Ukraine, yeah. Um, um, sort of Soviet uh, Soviet era. Yeah, just well worth well worth catching, and um, yeah, just just literally kind of wide eyed and, and open mouthed at what I was seeing. Um, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Fantastic. So that is available. If that's, I mean, if you, if that hasn't sold it, then nothing, nothing will. Um, I've done my best. And, and, you know. <laughs> yes. And sorry, how do you pronounce that again? V- I think it's V. 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 Yeah. V. yeah. Right, okay. There is a 2014 um, remake with Jason Fleming. Avoid that. Apparently. Um, go. Okay. You know, don't don't be go, sold. Go for the original. Go for the original. As in many things. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> um, Great. So, um, yeah, let's let's have a chat about today's episode. So, yeah, this is one that you've put together an interview um, over at the watershed with a series, an event series that they've they've put together there. Yeah. So this is a conversation about cinema um, uh, to coincide with the watershed's season conversations about cinema that they do in partnership with the philosophy department at UWE and uh, Dr. Francesco Tava. And I spoke with Mark Cosgrove, the, sort of the senior sort of programmer and sort of head honcho at Watershed, and, and, and Francesco about this season, which is five films sort of screened as a sort of film club and then conversations online um, in, in the aftermath. And, yeah, just really interesting season about um, the colonial and uh, sort of colonisation and sort of neocolonisation and things like that. Really fascinating sort of season of films that movie who are partnered with them have sort of provided for for the um, the season and uh, yeah they kicked off with the Battle of Algiers which is a classic um, it sort of never gets old and uh, yeah then has sort of continues and by the time this goes out there'll be three left which will be 
uh, Zombie Child, Bertrand Bonello's kind of Haitian French zombie film. And uh, the short film, Api Amy Aki, a uh, sort of Brazilian short film, which I thought was a really interesting choice for this. And then the the brilliant Baccarat to to um, to finish it off. So, yeah, really, I just thought it'd be interesting because it's obviously it's a cinema moving into the online space. And I wanted to talk about the the possibilities of that and just the reasons for mm. kind of creating a, an event with with that space to talk about the the, sort of the context and the politics directly of the films involved, um, I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I think the, the, the discussion, I think, will go, you know, in the interview goes two ways, and I think we'll carry that on afterwards, won't we, where we, we talk about the idea of of this particular choice of series of movies and what that might say about the moment and and even what it might say about film as a, as a social practice and as a kind of, um, as a political event and whether that can kind of be redeemed some somewhat maybe in the light of of covid you know i mean mm. th- that's something i'm interested to talk about is that idea of especially when you're 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 filming kind of post third cinema films if you can yeah. if i can use that term still you know the idea of the space of the cinema being a, a political venue if is always was always at the heart of third cinema and performances you know if it, it was illegal to see some of these films at at, at times and how yeah, that yeah. fits with a, a kind of neoliberal, you know, economic imperative when it comes to exhibition. And I think sort of Mark is talking a little bit about that very interestingly in terms of trying to be a community hub, but also stay afloat. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. the blended future of that is really important. So there's, the, there's that the choice of this particular season. And then there is this question of what what is an exhibition space going to have to do in the future to make ends meet and what is the relationship between a, a venue like watershed which is on the on the larger side of a kind of art house you know what you call an old art house venue but it's on the larger side of that how that will compete with multiplexes and then when you've got even smaller venues what do they do in terms of their programming what do they do in terms of their um event organization and how it how they kind of construct a sense of identity around not just the 90 minutes, two hours that you spend sitting watching the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was it was interesting to sort of to talk to them about that because it felt like the links of where this season came out of originally was was very much rooted in in our roots, you know, in terms of that that desire to to watch things. And then, you know, Mark sort of says that talk about it in the bar afterwards, you know, which yeah. was something that we wanted to but we wanted to get into that conversation afterwards. And you know, it, it's it's been a feature of cinema going, like you say, in that kind of particular art house space for a while now. You know, the the added Q and A or the the kind of the, the themed discussion or the theme conversation around it, and we we are very much kind of supportive of and active in that space. But looking at the moment now, wondering if that's if that is going to become more and more the function of of the cinema space in a in a, in a sense because of what people might watch at home now that windows are going to be yep. <laughs> out the window, yep. you know, and that, that I think it's, I think it's an interesting time to think about whether that is something that shifts from being, you know, added value for a, for a variety of things or becomes much more of the kind of community focus of these spaces, because that's what people are going to be going out for. And it's not that it's always going to be about the political context of the battle of Algiers, but, but certainly a, a wider communal social aspect to the film going experience that's been lost in the last year and people are sort of missing 
um, around certain types of cinema, um, as opposed to the, the multiplex, which is the Big Bang, you know, um, uh, spectacle. Um, and I think it, I almost feel like the demarcation between the two now is going to be much more stark than it was before, yeah. given given what's happened in the last year. Sure. So I guess that's a good point to segue into the conversation. So yeah, thank you so much to Mark and Francesca for their time. And this is us talking about the conversations about cinema, movie, watershed and UE collaboration. did the first one go yeah yeah uh, uh, well i i i mean neil and we'll probably mention it but you know what was brilliant was was um one of the speakers was was sat in their house in buenos aires the other one was in madrid um the other one was um was um where, where are you based there uh, francesco in bristol I'm in, I'm in bristol right now and so. which, part, which part of bristol <laughs> Uh, Bishopston. Ah, uh, yeah. So when is Ireland, Madrid, and Bishopston, and then and then um, and then the uh, the audience, um, some somebody from in the audience was from Martinique in the Caribbean. Somebody was watching it uh, um, from Paris with their Algerian mother, you know. So I mean, it was just like it was just like, hang on a minute, this is fucking international, you know what I mean? Um, and and um, you'd be you'd be you'd be kind of hard pressed to to do that in watershed, as it were. You know what I mean? With with speakers from Buenos Aires and Madrid. From that point of view, <coughs> I, was, I thought it was great. <laughs> no, I think it was excellent, and also having speakers because, of course, a great problem every time with on-site uh, events is. Uh, finding uh, ways and also the budget to invite people right because mm. it's it's a lot of uh, process this time you just have to phone a couple of people you know and just uh, ask someone uh, who can be based wherever in the world to join in and uh, and this year we are specifically focusing on uh, young uh, speakers so people with um, uh, temporary contracts or uh, early career researchers and uh, we provide a small fee, so which is also good uh, in times of insecurity, also in the academic sector. I think it's nice to 
give something and support uh, these people. And they were great. I mean, um, uh, Julieta was a, is a historian based in Buenos Aires, working specifically on uh, Algerian history. And uh, Lucia is a director of film critic. Uh, actually, Mark and Lucia have several friends in common. Oh, we found out. So yeah, and it was very casual, very um, very easy, I would say. So also many questions in the end. So yeah, I was I was satisfied completely. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say that because I think that's one of the one of the things that you know is is, is increasingly important, isn't it? It's trying to get the right speakers, but um, or the you know in inverted commas, um, you know, so that the, 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 the topic is represented, particularly for something like, you know, colonialism and, and post-colonialism and decolonization and things. You you don't want to have, you know, speakers that don't represent as, as, as wide a, a kind of conversation as possible. So oh, absolutely. have you done this in the past before? Because it sort of said the season has returned. Is this a, a new thing or is this something that is a, this a is virtual? This is the third season in total, yeah. Mm. It started in October 2018 uh, on site, of course, so everything was at the watershed. And there was a second season uh, which added uh, a more uh, uh, direct participation of students. So the first season were only part of the audience, but for the second year, they also started to be part of the conversation. So they were in the discussion panels, uh, working in teams and uh, uh, you know presenting their ideas, the outcome of the work in front of a broad audience. And um, so that was a step forward. And now the first season, of course, uh, trying this new sort of online uh, delivery method, which is working quite well. And also with Mubi joining the partnership to, to help out and provide films yeah. people can watch. Great. Yeah. Because, yeah, um, I mean, the the... For, for 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 watershed, we we've been doing that. We'd set up the conversations about cinema sort of initiative um, in twenty fourteen, I think, um, with Bristol University, um, and it was a really sort of ad hoc thing. Which um, you know, we would we would tell um, some one person in particular who was had approached us what films we had coming up, and they would just um, flash it around the whole university. Um, you know, academic community and say, here are the films coming up. Is anybody interested in, in doing an introduction? And that was kind of what, what started it um, from Watershed's point of view. And then we, we sort of formalised it on a theme around impact of conflict with the history department at Bristol University. Um, and then, you know, the, the conversations about cinema sort of continued as a brand. We were quite keen to continue it. And then um, Francesco came in and met with Tara and I, um, you know, a few years back, and and um, we sort of, yeah, it was brilliant, you know, because it followed, it picked up on some of the stuff that we were doing, it it developed the conversation side of it, and it 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 focused it um, around sort of philosophy, society, politics, mm. um, and then we also had publishing outcomes as well from it, you know, but it was just it, the basis was. You know, audiences, as you know, audiences want to have a talk about the film, mm. you know, um, and they could do that formally, but also, and what can't happen just now is going into the bar afterwards and continuing the conversation. Yeah. Um, and so this, this, this strand of conversations about cinema, I guess, is, is more uh, around thought and action, which was Francesco in the in Uri's, um, you, you, you know, kind of. I don't want to say the word brand, but there, there you go, I've said it. <laughs> well, it is a brand, I mean. 
We have to deal with it. Yeah. It's hard to avoid, isn't it? It's hard to avoid. Most of us have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what we do. Uh, could you just sort of tell us a little bit about the season and kind of, you know, why you thought that this was the time for a season like this? Well, in the past, uh, we always um, collaborated with Watershed Basing based on uh, uh, their evening program. So films uh, just released in the UK. And it was uh, one of the key factors of our success was that we could actually discuss films, not just old films, but things that just came out and people were eager to be involved and to say something about it. Now, this year is quite different because, of course, uh, we do have uh, a much broader catalogue, which is a movies library, which is rather huge and, and interesting. So, And also, we don't have the necessity of focusing on uh, just released films, which means that we could uh, identify a sort of overarching theme that we wanted to explore. And looking at the movie offer, actually, we were all movie fans even before to create this partnership. And... Uh, Something they're very good at is to really explore uh, cinematographies, film histories outside of the mainstream. So not just Europe and US and main countries, but also films from uh, Southeast Asia, from India, from South America. And that was amazing. We thought, why don't we focus on something like colonialism and the colonial struggle? I mean, as uh, researchers, as scholars, we all have an interest in that. Uh, me and the other colleagues from philosophy and politics. And we thought uh, it might make sense to find a sort of a red thread throughout the program to just highlight different aspects of this problem, broadly conceived. And we started with uh, the Battle of Algiers, which is the quintessential uh, decolonial film, of course, from, uh, from the 60s. And we continue by exploring this uh, sort of peripheral, uh, underrepresented uh, areas and context of film. So the next film will be Garibayre, uh, which is from India, then Apiem Yeki, Brazil, also in this case a brand new film as well. Uh, then we have uh, Zombie Child, which is a French film, but also uh, placed in uh, in Haiti. And then we conclude with the Bakurao, so again a very recent film uh, from from Brazil. So it's a really a mix. Uh, it's, a, it's a sort of a war tour of the uh, colonial struggle, I would say. So that's what we're trying to achieve. And also the speakers uh, reflect this uh, this position. So they're all scholars specializing in either philosophy, politics, but also history, uh, film uh, film studies. They're all interested in uh, this specific aspect of film. So how can film uh, convey decolonial thinking? So how can it uh, help us understand? Uh, uh, the atrocities, but also the aftermath and uh, the afterlife of colonialism. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to do. And I, I think the the the, the interesting difference, um, as Francesco uh, said, there is that this partnership with Mubi, um, you know, allowed a kind of more curated approach to the to the um, films and to explore an idea. Whereas, you know, pre-COVID, um, what we were doing was really working with the um, you know, first run film releases, and and saying here's you know here's an interesting you know well, the interesting films that we were showing, um, and what approaches did the university want to take with these new films? So for Watershed, it was a kind of way of opening up um, a, a kind of wider audience engagement and offering audiences opportunities to explore some of the issues. So if you think of, about a film like Eric um, uh, Eric Pope's um, uh, Utoya. Uh, Utoya, yeah, yeah, of course. 
um, you know, in that single take um, that explored the the massacre on that um, island. So he was a, he was a you know kind of tough um, film from a kind of audience um, viewing perspective, but the partnership allowed that kind of wider um, engagement. Mm. Uh, and you know, then films like Capernaum, um, you know, Vice, the American film that's dealing with with um, um, Dick Cheney's and the politics around Bush. Um, so the, the, the films weren't sort of put together in a, in a curated way, whereas this actually quite interestingly allowed to start to happen with the partnership with Movie, so the audience can can watch that, watch the films on Movie, and then you know separately kind of take part in the conversation. Do you hope that it's you know something that uh, is continued beyond you know the, this current period? You know when when you can sort of go back in the room. Do you hope to? kind of keep that kind of curated approach with a partner um and also the hybridity i guess as well is you know is that something that you know because that's what movie is very good at isn't it you know it's got it's online but it's also increasingly a lot of those films that were released by movie you know and some of them in cinemas as well so you know it, they it, it, they've been an interesting sort of template for in real life and online for a while now so is, is does has it sort of made you think oh actually this is a this is a way that sort of takes it to the next stage sort of as an ongoing partnership i i, I mean i i'd say so i i think you know the whole experience of of um you know doing kind of online space and virtual cinema um you know things like that um for, for me as a as a cinema as an exhibitor i'm really keen to get back into the cinema but i see the online space is really being expanded in terms of its sort of relationship and that hybridity i think is going to be very much part of the toolbox um, in the future. As I said earlier, you know, we had somebody live from from Buenos Aires, live from from Madrid, an audience that was, um, you know, truly international. Um, but I, you know, so I think I think that's a mix um, because you know what we are missing, of course, is is the at the end we just all abruptly disappear <laughs> um, into our own into our own um, lives whereas you know what you would do is you, you would continue in a much informal way in in the cafe bar which is actually where a lot of the interest and discussions obviously continue um, and so you're getting that balance but I'm yeah I'm really excited um, by the potential and also um, you know, the partnership with Movie, they've been absolutely brilliant um, in terms of coming on board as a partner. And I've obviously been supportive of independent cinemas, um, as, you know, not just through their films that they release, but, you know, support of, of events. So I, I would like to see and hope that this is a partnership, three-way partnership that can continue post-COVID. Yeah, I think we have to explore these um, hybrid possibilities, of course. So, of course, this is an experiment. So this is the first time we tried to do something like this. And uh, it's really the idea of establishing a sort of model which could be potentially also uh, exported and used uh, other way, right? So one brilliant uh, uh, cinema like Watershed with a lot, which is a really cultural hub in Bristol, right? So people w w go, go there because they want to talk, they want to not just to watch a film, but also discuss it. Then university, so this research academic environment and uh, a very high quality and uh, uh, well-designed uh, uh, streaming flat platform like, like movies. But I think we can start from here, really use this year as, a, as an experiment and see what happens afterwards. So I think Mark is right, so we should both uh, 
take advantage of the uh, local aspect of Bristol. So people coming to the cinema and joining the conversation, but also the universal aspect of it with people uh, able to join in from wherever they are just to attend, watch the discussion and possibly ask questions. And also with the speaker, uh, the same the same thing. So, yeah, I'm very keen. I'm very looking forward to see what uh, what can we <laughs> what can we come up with next year. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very exciting, and students are ex excited. As I well, mean, that was, so. that was a that was a point I was going to add. And you you mentioned Francesco about students. I mean, this is a, a I mean, this is a fantastic opportunity for students. And I'm saying that as somebody who used to be a student way, way, way back, and and you know having access to this. Um, you know, these kinds of resources um, would, would just be excellent. Yeah. And I mean, the students are, um, as Francesco said, very much part of the facilitation of the events and the development and the research of the, the, the events. Yeah. And then post events, we do publish. So there's editorial that begins to sort of build up. And I mean, it's, it is something that we have sort of talked about, and I'm sure Hopefully, it'll be something that we can get towards, but it's possibly a publication or a way of pulling together, um, you know, film philosophy, um, you know, thought and action um, as, as, as a publication. Of course, you might say, well, that's redundant, given this all online, but hey, I'm old-fashioned and I kind of like books. <laughs> no, no, I think you're right. And yeah, for students, it was amazing because, I mean, uh, they switched from uh, talking about film with me in a room uh, and the... Uh, UA French campus, uh, just you know, one on one to the chance of talking about uh, their work and reflections to an audience of uh, 200 people, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So it was very empowering for them. I was talking to, and they were great. I mean, uh, all the students last year who presented did uh, an amazing job. And uh, as an educator, I was so happy. I mean, just sitting there in a beautiful cinema theater just with my students. Uh, making these uh, articulate and sophisticated arguments about films, interacting with professional speakers, film critic, the audience. I mean, that's something that's, that's exactly what uh, transferable skills are about, right? They learn to do something which will be useful for them forever, mm -hmm. right? The ability to convey thinking to a broad audience in a successful and effective way. Yeah. I mean, that's the best thing I can probably teach to them at the moment and, uh, and it's working. So hopefully next week uh, we have the second event and one of our students will be part of the online uh, discussion uh, panel. So we're looking forward to that. I know they're working and yeah, we'll see how it goes. Great. Yeah, I mean, just the on, on paper, it seems like such a, such a kind of vital and necessary exchange at a time when, you know, such exchanges are harder. Not just, I don't mean on the online, I just mean sort of in terms of the time that we live in, you know, where it comes down to a kind of very a very narrow kind of conversation you know whereas here you've got the cinema and the university in the community which just seems like it's a really um yeah an important sort of timely intervention into conversation um you know is, is that something that you're sort of both personally interested in you know is that is that one of the drivers for you is to have that conversation with the students but also the wider community Absolutely. So a big part of our uh, Department of Social Sciences uh, is a public engagement. So we do have a unit uh, which is called uh, Social Science in the City, of which I am uh, part, which always aimed at reaching out and involving the citizenship 
to the conversation that we normally have uh, at the university. And uh, that's one reason why uh, we wanted to, you know, to reach out, contact the watershed and see if we could do something uh, in that sense. So I think it's essential humanities, social sciences, uh, um, uh, so all these disciplines from philosophy to politics to, you know, more classic uh, social sciences like uh, sociology all require this constant uh, interaction with uh, the citizenship, other actors within uh, the public discourse, uh, people, whoever is interested to really enter a conversation with us. And uh, we do that on a regular basis. So we organize uh, many events, not just for in action to do that. And I think this is one of the most successful one. I mean, this is uh, working really well, both in terms of, um, of impact, because people want to be engaged. The response was amazing. And also in terms of quality, I think, because we had speakers uh, during uh, the years who, I mean, uh, are real important public intellectuals. I mean, Mark mentioned before Utoya. So we had uh, uh, Bjorn Ehler, who is this uh, peace activist in Norway and also survivor of the terrorist attack uh, on Utoya, who came to Watershed, shared his experience. And I remember the audience were absolutely shocked by the intensity, but also the the depth of the, of the comments he made. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so really, and that's just an example, we had uh, uh, two amazing scholars from Syria, both refugees in the UK, coming to talk about uh, um, For Sama, so this other astonishing film we discussed last year, and I recall this very nice conversation between them and people in the audience asking about the political situation in Syria, the rebuilding. I mean, we had an incredible amount of interesting conversations from terrorism to, to culture, to gender, to sexuality, to, to philosophy, to core. I mean, and that's really what, uh, what we must do, I think, as, uh, as academics nowadays, really. So establishing a strong connection with uh, the world which surrounds us in the broadest possible sense. And I mean, that's, and that's my view on film is that, you know, what that does is it brings that wider world around us um, uh, uh, into a kind of condensed moment of, of the film. And certainly, um, you know, from my perspective at, at Watershed, it's, I, I've, over the past sort of decade, really, um, you know, I've really seen film as, and the screening of a film as being the springboard um, for a wider discussion. Um, and it, it was really, um, um, you know, brought home to me, and, you know, vividly illustrated to me by um, the time when we screened 12 Years a Slave, um, Steve McQueen's film. Um, this is when we'd sort of first started um, the early iteration of conversations about cinema. And I, I was working with um, Come the Revolution, who are a Bristol-based black curating group. And, you know, here's, here's a film about um, the, the slave trade being shown in a city that's got a profoundly unresolved relationship with slavery. Um, and, you know, the film's released as a film, you know, in the normal way that, you know, or in the, the way that we, you know, think about film. Here's a new release, it gets reviewed on a Friday, it gets released into cinemas. Um, and, and you know, because it was it was Steve McQueen's and it was the critical claim that it had, it was on in, in the mainstream cinemas as, as well as Watershed. Um, and as I say, given the subject matter of it, I, um, and working with with Come the Revolution, we set up a series of events because you know kind of sense that this could unlock some quite um, traumatic um, experiences or, or thoughts and conduct, you know. And and we provided some formal opportunities for talks, um, but we also informally that if you wanted to kind of come out and just 
talk to somebody in the cafe bar about what you just experienced, then you could. But you could. I hate. I, I must emphasize, you could just come in and watch it and go back out. You didn't have to. You know what I mean? Um, but but during the run of the film and during you know these events, uh, a young black woman came along to to one of them and she just said, I, "I'm so pleased to be able to talk to somebody about this because you know I went to see it when it was first released. Um, you know the, the week before, and and she saw it at the multiplex. Um, and you know imagine a you know young black woman." going to see a film, 12 Years a Slave, going on that cinematic journey that Steve McQueen makes. And Steve McQueen doesn't take lightly, you know, his filmmaking. It's pretty serious. It's pretty intense. Um, and, and she watches the film um, and then comes out. And she wanted to talk to somebody about it. Now, the multiplex is not in that business. Um, they, they, they want you in, they want you out. They don't really want to have a conversation with you about slavery mm. and or about the or about what, how the film worked and yeah. how the film communicated those ideas. Um, and that's not what that commercial mainstream world is, is about. Um, it's about a different approach to film. Um, I'm more interested in that, and Watershed's more interested in those, those that side of it, you know, the impact side of it. So that, for me, really, um, it was that experience that really illustrated to me that, you know, we're dealing with film in a different way here. You know, we 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 want to engage in those kinds of conversations. I mean, as I say, though, you can just come and watch the film if you want. We're not going to make you have the conversation, but if you want to, like that, um, the 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 young woman did then it's possible, you know. Um, and so that um, is, I say, very much reinforced my belief that, that you know, the screening of films is a springboard um, for a wider conversation. And 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 this partnership is is really sort of um, kind of brought that together. Uh, and I think, you know, there is definitely scope. Um, and we have worked in partnership with other cinemas in the past. I mean, actually, the, the work that we did around impact the conflict, when we screened um, Selma, Ava DuVernay's Selma, we did a whole thing about civil rights. And Roger Griffiths, who who is, is one of the Come, Come the Revolution um, um, curators, actually did a couple of events outside of Bristol with Selma. We actually went to Belfast in the QFT there um, and did a talk about Selma. Because, of course, you know, civil rights, the troubles, the, the whole issue around politics... And then also, you know, Roger being black and talking about it, um, the film as well in that context, you can just see the way in which the, the that screening of Selma then in Belfast kind of opens up a whole range of different discourses that, that, that the audience um, can engage with. And I think that's, you know, one of the great things about film as a, as a cultural form. Yeah, you sort of touched on it there. And I did want to ask, you know, how important is it to, to have a kind of a Bristol voice in at this moment regards you know the colonial questions and and, and sort of you know decolonizing it seems you know it seems like an important time um and I know a lot of that work has already gone on in Bristol but obviously Bristol is now more in the you know the sort of the, the general um there's there's more of a it's more in the sort of oh god lost, lost my words um there's more of a kind of wider understanding or sort of starting to engage with with sort of bristol's history in that in in that context you know so you know i guess it, it just sort of spoke to me as something that you would be doing but also something that is timely um because of the wider conversation yeah and and i mean it, it, i mean it is and and you know um for obvious historical reasons 
Um, and I think um, you know what is what is extraordinary about Bristol in terms of that slave trade, in terms of the involvement of slave trade in particular, and that, that history of of the connection with the slave trade, is that we are very blessed um, in Bristol by having um, David Olashuga, um, who who seems to me very much the right man in the right place at the right time. Um, that, that brings that historical context. But we've also had Madge Dresser at, at, at UAE, who's, who's been dealing with this um, issue for, for a long time. Um, you know, we've got Marvin Reese, mayor, who's very sensitive and alert to, to the issues. Um, you know, we've got people like Roger. And, and, and so it has been a debate that's been happening in the city for, you know, a long time and certainly more focusedly for, 20, for the past 20 years. Um, and, you know, the work that we've been doing... Um, you know, I've been doing with with um, oh, just, uh, we've forgotten um, Black Pyramid um, way back, and then all the way through working with Africa Eye, and now these discussions. You know, it, it, you know, you're very aware of the 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 implications and the and the consequences of representations, um, and then so this has been going on for that amount of time. So when it hits the press and it gets taken into a kind of very um, sensationalist side um you think hang on a minute you know we, we need to sort of reframe this and and that is what people like madge and also professor tim cole at bristol university who's on the kind of committee to review um statues at the moment there is a real depth of knowledge and engagement it just doesn't come out of a kind of sensationalism mm. and so when the the statue of colston was was pulled down I mean, that just didn't happen at that moment in time. That comes from decades of an engagement with this issue. And so for us, Watershed, who are only a few metres away from where that statue was, and, and to see it being, you know, kind of pulled along and and and, and thrown into the dockside by Perro's Bridge, for Bristolians who know that Perro was a slave, and, you know, they, they say it's hugely resonant. I mean, it's probably one of the most sort of... And resonant things that's happened um, in, in my sort of memory, and so for a, ve- a cultural venue like Watershed, um, then yeah, you know, deal, dealing with those very direct uh, discussions is of course very much part of it, um, and you know, as a result of you know when that ha- all happened and George Floyd, of course, I mean, what what was what was extraordinary there was was the 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 murder of George Floyd in America, and then within hours, the impact in Bristol, and then the Bristol, you know, the, the, that relationship, and of course it's a relationship with the with with the um, the slave trade, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's the triangle that leads us. Um, so those connections are very, very immediate and very vivid. Um, and it is, um, you, you know, then a, a venue like Watershed has... Uh, sees a, a relationship with the local community. I think, as Francesco was saying, is that, you know, very much aware of our role and responsibility with, with the community and with the, the, the conversations that arise. Yeah. It's a great time to, to be a Bristolian, honestly. There is so much going on. And, uh, I mean, I think that the toppling of the statue of Coastal Statue was really a sort of jump forward, so something which accelerated history in a substantial manner and uh, it generated so many reactions from uh, from everybody really so on on every level from uh, people in the city to you know people working in uh, in culture in um, intellectual uh, in the intellectual world so i mean 
or the first example was the poem uh, published by uh, Vanessa Kisule, one of the Bristol uh, main poets, uh, Hollow, which describes uh, her uh, uh, surprise when uh, the statue came down and she found out that uh, it's a hollow inside. I mean, and the sense of void, of emptiness, which characterizes what uh, racism and colonialism has become, right? So the sense of uh, power, which only somehow uh well can steal something which is completely uh null something completely you know empty and meaningless somehow but film is also of course a reaction of that i mean uh historically you know the f f cinematic product cinematic artifacts contributed to critically think about uh, uh problematic aspects of our lives including of course inequality racism and so on and so forth and philosophy as well does that. I mean, critical thinking is precisely about uh, looking into this phenomenon, these events, and ask ourselves, uh, what does that mean? So what is the impact of this on our life, our world, and how can we react? How should we behave in front of, this, uh, of these events? Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that this collaboration is very productive, because it really helps to bring together opinions, uh, visions, uh, and also media and ways of communication so different, but all uh, interested in the same problems, essentially. So, yeah. And that's really productive and very uh, thought-provoking, I would say. And, yeah. and it's working very well for both us and uh, whoever is involved, I think. Great. Just a quick just, note. Just to, oh. Sorry. So yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to um, add to that is that you know what what is great about film is that it offers an accept an accessible way into those discussions. You know because it Absolutely. is because it is such an accessible um, art form, cultural form. Everybody understands what it what it means to watch a film. They might not like a particular film. They might you know, but but everybody understands what it means to watch one. And so that film, you know, becomes a kind of open door, um, really as a way of exploring um the, these issues. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's it was really great to see uh Apiemieki on the on the programme because that was a film that I really loved, but is one that wouldn't necessarily get that kind of focus. But the you know the history of non-western filmmaking is that you know you you're often making films in the short form you're often making documentary or experimental work simply because of the kind of the structural sort of issues that, that you know um don't allow you to make what is conventional feature length work you know so i think it was really great to see that in the program um because it it brings it into the conversation in a way that it would normally be excluded because of it's not an, eco an economically viable form in, in many ways, which is what movie does great, but obviously um, is it, it was it was so great to just see it on the same level as all those other works, you know. I think it was, um, I mean, for me, with, with Zombie Child, um, you know, I thought that was a, a, a fantastic film that deserved to be to be seen wider in, in cinemas. Um, and it, it was great that movie um, bought it for distribution um but it 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 didn't really get much sort of wider release mm. and I, I mean hopefully this is a kind of small way of re you know um re-engaging with these films yeah great okay oh francesco he's back <laughs> yeah, sorry <laughs> my camera yeah. went mad for a second no worries um Okay, thank you so much. So just we'll just okay. end with we'll just end with what um what what can audiences expect from you know this will go out with three left, 
So what can audiences expect from these events? Well, I think that historically is a mixed audience. So it's uh, uh, regular cinema goers, similar others, uh, students, uh, but also academics, uh, people interested in culture, people are working and with an interest in public engagement as well, of bringing together people from different uh, contexts. So it's really the beauty of it is really that uh, there is a variety of people who might be interested in this, and uh, and also it's difficult to you know to figure out how the public uh, will look like, which is uh, at the same time uh, amazing and terrifying. So you really don't know what what is going on. I, I I think what was interesting with the 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 one that we just had with Battle of Algiers was that I. It really felt a sense of community with people that were engaged that, that had come along to the talk. Um, you know, so we've obviously got the chat function and all those things that Zoom the Zoom has. But I really felt um, because I asked people where were they all from, and so um, I mean, you get there was a real there was a Bristol community, there was a kind of wider international community. So it surprised me, I have to say, pleasantly surprised me that there was a sense of of community um, in this kind of online space. And that that felt great, and hopefully that's something that can continue through um, through the talks. But I, I'm really delighted that with Bacaral, the the Brazilian film, that we've got the two directors um, who are going to be coming in live, um, which is which is the brilliance of the online space. Mm. Is that you can you know we couldn't we couldn't we could never have got them to to watershed without a huge expense or timings and everything. Whereas you know movie got in touch with them because they distribute their films and they said yeah they'd love to do it so that that's that's really exciting um and as we were saying earlier i mean hopefully this will be something that continues as part of the sort of hybridity of the events great well i'm looking forward to it and thank you for talking to me today well thank you pleasure Thank you so much to Mark and Francesco. Uh, good luck with the rest of your season, and thanks, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast, Dario. Yeah, any thoughts? Anything to to bring up based on that chat? Yeah, I mean, if, I think it's a really interesting selection of work, and you know that that sort of sense of trying to think about the decolonial, post-colonial uh, moment. And drawing upon a series of films, some classical, you know, Battle of Algiers, we talked that they talked about, and up up to more modern um, titles, and you know, 
it, it seems that this is a moment that is still prescient. Did it ever go away? You know, that, that, that idea of um, how representation using the language of cinema would needs to differ depending on where your kind of so, social and political perspective comes from. So, you know, the, the, the whole the sort of emer- emergence of third cinema was this sort of rejection of first and second cinema, i.e. Hollywood as first cinema and the kind of European art house auteurist kind of cinema. And this sort of recognition that the the aesthetics of those two styles and also the, you know, the industrial kind of infrastructure of those two styles were not conducive to um, A, being made in that way in, in, in the in the third cinema con- context in the developing world. You know, th- these terms are all, all out of date now, but but you know what I mean? They're good signifiers. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're yeah, signifiers. Yeah. So you say third cinema and developing world, we know what we're talking about, but we understand that they're problematic. But then filmmakers and, and you know, film distributors were heavily interested in using cinema as a, you know, for its, to engage with political voices and political struggles. So, and that hasn't, that really hasn't gone away. But I think what, you know, obviously what has changed is that, developing worlds have become more developed and you know we have much more of an international globalized cinema right now and i think that you know it's really interesting to go back to something like battle of algiers because that was such a one of the seminal films for me and i know we're going to talk on the bonus the idea that films that sort of awake you to a different perspective and you know that was one of them And, and i think that Baccarat is really interesting in that context as well, because what that does is sort of it's placing a lot of the same kinds of ideas and thoughts and political commentary, but into this sort of strangely um, kind of it's placing it into this sort of into the the, the language that people would recognize in terms of genre sci-fi. And, and bringing things together, and you know, and things films have have done that before. You know, you think of something like District Nine, and even and and even you know, big, bigger films like Elysium have this kind of like social commentary. But to place that within the sort of Brazilian context and have these kind of weird signifiers, it really does open up a kind of interesting language that I think is really important to 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 view. So something like Baccarat, I think you know. Someone like you and me would 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 watch that on movie and talk to each other about it and say, "Oh, this is interesting." But to have that as a release and a subject of conversation, I think, is really important in terms of the um, in terms of selection of the of of the of the movies. And I think it, it it does chime into that that question that we opened up at the at the beginning before the interview as where is the the cinema space as a political hub for discussion and. You know, we we think about it in terms of Q and A's. You know, we get a director in, and you have that conversation. And I think maybe that in the future there may be more of a sense of where can we go to have these these political discussions. You know, pubs, uh, clubs. You know, I mean, you you just look now at the news, and we're, we're, the police have got powers to to stop kind of social protests. So I think maybe there may be a sort of renaissance of uh, of the cinema space, but also then that blended into the online space as a way in which we start to have conversations you know in person materially but then across the you know digital communication i think a lot of this needs to is going to develop and be thought about in the next you know five to ten years yeah yeah really interesting um i think that yeah i guess i hope that there's a 
that there's a kind of clamor for that space again. You know, I think that, and I think it's twinned with sort of mentioned before in terms of that what the year has has reminded us about in terms of not having access to that space, but also how the online space in terms of the you know that's not connected to a cinema is 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 not is not a suitable it's not an alternative it hasn't it hasn't filled that void of being able to because it's not a social space in a in a either a big s or a small s you know it's not it's not built for that um and i I hope that there will be a kind of clamor to to go back because i think it's that that post-film space as we've you know had with with our podcast is is a really special space when you can kind of have that dialogue about what you've seen and process it and contextualize it, you know, and I think there, I think bringing in, in that space, people online who, you know, either who can watch it from wherever they are or can attend if they're filmmakers, I think is, is something that I'm really excited to see. You know, I, I, I certainly want to get back and, and do stuff oh, without <laughs> in a cinema, you know, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I think it's, you know, the, I've missed it, you know, and it's interesting, I think, as well, because obviously with our with the podcast, we were because of the because of we don't you know live near each other, and because of the amount of different types of opportunity we're getting, we were moving away from that, and it's almost like well, actually, it maybe would be not nice to, to the do same that level again, yeah, yeah, maybe not to the same level, but certainly make it re- retain it because I think it was it was it was a vital thing that that kind of now understand more, um, and I think that. Yeah, it's something like Baccarat is an interesting film because it it sounds old fashioned, it sounds kind of glib, but it is both entertaining and you know you know it, you're not, and which is I think why it's interesting in the context of Battle of Algiers, which is you know and there was the film program talked about this the other week. It's a really entertaining movie, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a grippingly made film as well as being kind of deeply interesting in terms of the politics. So yeah you know, wanting to screen these films and talk them through, I think. And, and, and also, like you say, how, how they reflect and speak to the current moment, which is absolutely on fire, you know, like in socially, Mm. I think is, it feels very vital to be in a room with people and not necessarily agreeing because, but, but being able to talk it through and talk through the complexities of, 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 of representation and what's at stake. And, you know, the, the, you know, get away from this idea that it's it's a good versus evil debate, mm. and that you know that the, the neoliberal moment is much more layered and complicated. And yeah. you know, hope that hope that we're we're close to that. Um, you know, and I think that obviously you can tell that Mark is obviously as a cinema owner, mm. but also as someone who wants wants this kind of discourse and discussion in his venue. I think is really is really interesting. Yeah, and I think that the correlations to what we tried to do in the early days, very specifically on the, on the podcast and kind of moving forward now doing things online and and recognizing more and more that, that the cinematic experience is has so many tentacles and so many offshoots and so many inputs you know what i mean and and yeah g- g- going in there and and going into the auditorium and sitting down and, and just watching the movie is it, it in an ideal world it should still stand for itself and it, and it still and it has to but then I think that in the commercial world of exhibition spaces, there has to be some something of an offer that is beyond. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna whack on the latest uh, blockbuster on Netflix because I've had a hard day. Do you know what I mean? It's got to get mm. you. It's got to get you into a, a different kind of mentality or a different kind of headspace. I think because 
it's so easy to do that now. And, and if exhibition windows have gone, then it, it, it is going to be harder to drag yourself up and say, you know, I'm just going to walk. For me, it's easy. I have to take like 10 minutes down the road. But, you know, even for you, there's a, it's a different, again, in regionally, it's, a, it's such a different experience. Mm. And and I think that, that that sense of what, how you wrap the cinema, the, how you wrap the film or how you present films is, is going to become more and more important. So like having having a kind of curated sense of a season that, that people can go to and there is options to go and there is options to stay at home. I mean, the big question then becomes, do you feel part of it if you're online? Do, do you feel part of something materially? And I think what's interesting, whenever I've tried to, I mean, it's interesting they talk about the students there and, and we know, we've talked about this all the time, the difficulty of getting students to come to stuff that you put on. I think it, and, and even when they, they organize stuff themselves, they can't get their own friends to come. So it's it's just, a, it, it, it's an interesting kind of moment, I think, in in trying to figure out and reevaluate where, where we're going to be when all of these people, all of these students, or everyone has been locked up for so long. Is there going to be mm. a clamor to go back and say, you know what, because I know I'm ready to go and do stuff big time and I'm not going to have I'm not going to waste a second in terms of when I'm allowed I'm going to go back to the cinema yeah I'll wear a mask if I have to and I'm ready to put on a you know a podcast uh, live screening again in front of an audience of even if it's 20 20 people socially distanced I'll do it because I think that it it I'm I the more I'm I'm kind of cooped up here and it's just it's just window you know speaking speaking in this kind of format and all the positives that come along with that, because there are a lot, it's still, it still to me has to be kind of grounded on top of an experience that is people together. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I think that there is there's our our kind of relationship with that space, which is so powerful, and kind of you know, but understanding that that things might shift and probably will shift. It was, I mentioned the Mark Harrison. Mark Maron conversation earlier and that was a really interesting conversation about a lot of things film related criticism but Mark Harris sort of made the point that you know there's a lot of talk about going back to normal but we're not it's yeah. not going to be normal because you know no. even if even if it did return to that that kind of very basic experience the industry has shifted underneath you know like Disney plus and, and all that kind of stuff so so what is in those spaces is going to be is going to be different and how they want to put it in spaces and what they want you know there is things have changed and also the you know how you how you you sort of saying like how you kind of um can't remember the phrase you used but it's really interesting like how you uh present it you know as a package how you package mm. that experience i think that's you know yeah. how do you get stuff talked about how do you get you know how do you get knowledge of these films out there um when everything is released at the same time at the same volume and is gone within a few days because there's another raft of films all being released at the same time in the same three places, you know, Netflix, Amazon, and movie. That's it. You know, like I think it's yeah, Disney. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, so, so what, what our role is and, and how you actually package this stuff so that you are, you are making a difference with by being, getting people to see this stuff and, and try and see it in the right way, I think is, is a challenge but it's also an opportunity and i hope i think that you know marks you know kind of kind of on understands that that there is there is a need for the hybrid kind of moving forward and i think as yeah. i sort of said working with movie makes sense because they 
they work in cinema spaces and they also work in the online space, usually with the same film. So that feels sure. more and more like it's going to have to be. But, and I think just in the end, I don't. We don't know, do we? Don't know what it's going to be like to attend. I think they've tried it before, but obviously it, it always felt it was you know in terms of like attend a, a virtual Q and A, you know. So at the you know so live from Curzon Soho. So there's people in the room who are at the Bernard Herzog Q and A, but it's also broadcast at the same time. And it always felt like, yeah. well, I can't be there. But I wonder if that'll feel yeah. different now. And I wonder, you know, like because sure. because we're going to carry the baggage of the year so it's going to need more than just a, a broadcast q a i think and and seasons and conversations that are themed and i love the idea of the panel being able to be accessed from from all over you know like a, a, mm. i think that's that's something that is going to hopefully entice people because it's it's not going to be the same three people from the local area who can make it to yeah. the cinema so it's 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 weirdly exciting, but also kind of tentative in terms of like, God, please, yeah. please, please I mean, work. I guess the central difficulty that has remained since before the pandemic, though, is how do you access audiences that don't see themselves within cultural spaces like this? And that's, I mean, you know, Mark, Mark sort of talked about 12 Years a Slave and the uh, the audience member who's like, I'm so glad I came and, you know, and, and, and having you're having this conversation. Um because it spoke to them in that in that kind of way, but I think it's that's one of the big challenges, isn't it, for these organisations where you know they are they are set up for a certain kind of white liberal audience who has disposable income to spare and can engage in the conversation because they've got that time and space. If you're you know if you're a key worker or you know you haven't got that disposable income and the idea of sort of rocking up to see a Brazilian art house social drama you know, after you've been driving an Uber or working in a hospital all day. You know what I mean? It's it, it's so difficult to kind of bridge across that. And I think that, I mean, it's one of the things I, I talked about because he was talking a lot about audiences. And again, I think, I don't know what kind of audience Watershed have been getting for the first two events, well, you know, how big it is. But but it, but Watershed is a big place, but it's not the BBC. You know what I mean, and and that is the thing that directs the cultural conversation in, in the yeah. UK, whether you like it or not. And you know, Small Axe, for example, has probably had as bigger influence in the conversation on race in Britain as as anything I can think of in the last, you know, however many years, 10, 15, 20 years, uh, probably since Stephen Lawrence. In terms of, you know, I know Stephen Lawrence is a, is a, an event and you know <laughs> more important in that sense than than mm. a film. But do you know what I mean? It, it's kind of like. Where is the representation, or where has it been of these mm. of these lives that are British lives, but because they're Black British lives, they're not represented. And on that on that level, it's always been difficult to 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 make it seem as though these venues are accessible to to everyone. Yeah, yeah, and I think they and yeah, you're sort of <laughs> alluding to the one of the problems that we face at the moment, which is the kind of the the, the lack of the lack of belief in the value of arts, you know, in terms of the state, you know, there, there is no, the support pack, there's no support for the arts as a, as a, as a vital part of people's lives. Um, and certainly not when there might be work that, you know, is critical of state structures <laughs> or, you know, the market capital, you know, these things that, you know, I think it's, you, that is, that is the extension of the conversation, which is 
in order for that to to really take hold there needs to be yeah belief and support in the arts and in this country which there just isn't you know there's 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 a little bit of support this week from from sunak for the tv and film industries the production of mainstream content usually from abroad in america um you know big mm. budget location studio work but you know that that isn't represented in terms of you know community schemes for places like the watershed to help bring in those audiences you know which they yeah. they it needs huge in structural support same for regional theaters same for regional music venues and you know taking taking people from their bedrooms um into into kind of performance spaces and things like that you know but if 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 the if the government and by you know by extension the state doesn't doesn't value that or is suspicious of it and has been historically suspicious of it as being a kind of left-leaning critical you know outlet then that's always going to be a struggle and yeah. the hope is that online will will bridge that in some way but again you need investment in the expertise to access those audiences and speak to them in a way that makes them feel welcome and feel like it's something that they 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 are welcome to to be in um in those spaces mm. yeah no without a doubt good um, yeah, just a really interesting season, a really interesting uh, interview. So, what are the um, what are the final films? Yeah, so still left to enjoy are the the Bertrand Bonello Zombie Child, and then the Brazilian short film Apiemiaki, and uh, the Brazilian kind of Jean Carpenter esque classic um, Baccarat. So they are on the twenty fifth of March, the fifteenth of April, and the 29th of April. And we'll put links in the show notes. And yeah, really really vital and interesting um, opportunity and if the, the the first panel is anything to go by well worth well worth checking out yeah absolutely so we're gonna we're gonna move over into the bonus episode now where we're going to talk about a, a little bit more about specific films I think that we have that maybe have opened our eyes to 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 different experiences to the ones that are our own and and also perhaps you know in the cinema space itself they're they're taking us transporting us to to other areas so we're kind of gonna give um, a few examples about that yeah thanks to thanks to mark and francesco for the conversation and thanks to you dario for yeah just thanks <laughs> no problem that's is fine that, you know thanks just thanks, general thank you yeah um no but you know really interesting response there and um yeah, yeah again cool. kind of an opportunity to talk about these things which which, are, which mean a lot to us so it's really nice to to get into it with you Absolutely. So with that in mind, thank you to our loyal listeners as ever. It's really great to have you along for the ride. You can catch us on the in the usual places, uh, on Twitter, Facebook. And uh, um, if you want to kind of hear the bonus, then sign up for our Patreon and we will welcome you over there. But for now, until next time, this has been the Cinematologist Podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.